Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Chapter 2. The Materializing of Cecil, Part 2. For the next two months, all went well and merrily. Nobody ever said anything more to me about Cecil Fenwick, but the girls all chattered freely to me of their little love affairs, and I became a sort of general confidant for them. It just warmed up the cockles of my heart, and I began to enjoy the sewing circle famously. I got a lot of pretty new dresses and the dearest hat, and I went everywhere I was asked and had a good time. But there is one thing you can be perfectly sure of. If you do wrong, you are going to be punished for it sometime, somehow, and somewhere. My punishment was delayed for two months, and then it descended on my head, and I was crushed to the very dust. Another new family besides the Mercers had come to Avonlea in the spring, the Maxwells. There were just Mr. and Mrs. Maxwell. They were a middle-aged couple and very well off. Mr. Maxwell had brought the lumber mills, and they lived up at the old Spencer place, which had always been the place of Avonlea. They lived quietly, and Mrs. Maxwell hardly ever went anywhere because she was delicate. She was out when I called, and I was out when she returned my call, so that I had never met her. It was the sewing circle day again, at Sarah Gardner's this time. I was late. Everybody else was there when I arrived, and the minute I entered the room I knew something had happened, although I couldn't imagine what. Everybody looked at me in the strangest way. Of course, Wilhelmina Mercer was the first to set her tongue going. "'Oh, Miss Holmes, have you seen him yet?' she exclaimed. "'Seen whom?' I said, non-excitedly, getting out my thimble and patterns. "'Why, Cecil Fenwick. He's here in Avonlea, visiting his sister, Mrs. Maxwell.' I suppose I did then what they expected me to do. I dropped everything I held, and Josephine Cameron said afterwards that Charlotte Holmes would never be paler when she was in her coffin. If they had just known why I turned so pale. "'It's impossible,' I said blankly. "'It's really true,' said Wilhelmina, delighted at this development, as she supposed it, of my romance. "'I was up to see Mrs. Maxwell last night, and I met him. "'It can't be the same Cecil Fenwick,' I said faintly, because I had to say something. "'Oh, yes, it is. He belongs in Blakely, New Brunswick, and he's a lawyer, and he's been out west twenty-two years. "'He's, oh, so handsome, and just as you described him, except that his hair is quite gray.' He has never married. I asked Mrs. Maxwell. So you see, he has never forgotten you, Miss Holmes. And, oh, I believe everything is going to come out all right. I couldn't exactly share her cheerful belief. Everything seemed to me to be coming out most horribly wrong. I was so mixed up I didn't know what to do or say. I felt as if I were in a bad dream. It must be a dream. There couldn't really be a Cecil Fenwick. 
My feelings were simply indescribable. Fortunately, everyone put my agitation down to quite a different cause, and then they very kindly left me alone to recover myself. I shall never forget that awful afternoon. Right after tea, I excused myself and went home as fast as I could. There I shut myself up in my room, but not to write poetry in my blank book. No, indeed, I felt in no poetical mood. I tried to look the facts squarely in the face. There was a Cecil Fenwick, extraordinary as the coincidence was, and he was here in Avonlea. All my friends and foes believed that he was the estranged lover of my youth. If he stayed long in Avonlea, one of two things was bound to happen. He would hear the story I had told about him and deny it, and I would be held up to shame and derision for the rest of my natural life, or else he would simply go away in ignorance, and everybody would suppose he had forgotten me and would pity me maddeningly. The latter possibility was bad enough, but it wasn't to be compared to the former, and oh, how I prayed, yes, I did pray about it, that he would go right away. But Providence had other views for me. Cecil Fenwick didn't go away. He stayed right on in Avonlea, and the Maxwells blossomed out socially in his honor and tried to give him a good time. Mrs. Maxwell gave a party for him. I got a card, but you may be very sure I didn't go, although Nancy thought I was crazy not to. Then everyone else gave parties in honor of Mr. Fenwick, and I was invited and never went. Wilhelmina Mercer came and pleaded and scolded and told me if I avoided Mr. Fenwick like that, he would think I still cherished bitterness against him, and he wouldn't make any advances towards a reconciliation. Wilhelmina means well, but she hasn't got a great deal of sense. Cecil Fenwick seemed to be a great favorite with everybody, young and old. He was very rich, too, and Wilhelmina declared that half the girls were after him. If it wasn't for you, Miss Holmes, I believe I'd have a try for him myself, in spite of his gray hair and quick temper, for Mrs. Maxwell says he has a pretty quick temper, but it's all over in a minute, said Wilhelmina, half in jest and wholly in earnest. As for me, I gave up going out at all, even to church. I fretted and pined and lost my appetite and never wrote a line in my blank book. Nancy was half frantic and insisted on dosing me with her favorite patent pills. I took them meekly, because it is a waste of time and energy to oppose Nancy. But of course they didn't do me any good. My trouble was too deep-seated for pills to cure. If ever a woman was punished for telling a lie, I was that woman. I stopped my subscription to the weekly advocate because it still carried that wretched porous plaster advertisement, and I couldn't bear to see it. If it hadn't been for that, I would never have thought of Fenwick for a name, and all this trouble would have been averted. One evening, when I was moping in my room, Nancy came up. There's a gentleman in the parlor asking for you, Miss Charlotte. My heart gave just one horrible bounce. What sort of a gentleman, Nancy? I faltered. I think it's that Fenwick man that there's been such a time about, said Nancy, who didn't know anything about my imaginary escapades, and he looks to be mad clean through about something, for such a scowl I never seen. Tell him I'll be down directly, Nancy, I said quite calmly. As soon as Nancy had clumped downstairs, I again put on my lace fichu and put two hankies in my belt, for I thought I'd probably need more than one. Then I hunted up an old advocate for proof, and I went down to the parlor. I know exactly how a criminal feels going to execution, and I've been opposed to capital punishment ever since. I opened the parlor door and went in, carefully closing it behind me, for Nancy has a deplorable habit of listening in the hall. 
Then my legs gave out completely, and I couldn't have walked another step to save my life. I just stood there, my hand on the knob, trembling like a leaf. A man was standing by the south window looking out. He wheeled around as I went in, and, as Nancy said, he had a scowl on and looked angry clear through. He was very handsome, and his gray hair gave him such a distinguished look. I recalled this afterward, but just at that moment you may be quite sure I wasn't thinking about it at all. Then all at once a strange thing happened. The scowl went right out of his face and the anger out of his eyes. He looked astonished and then foolish. I saw the color creeping up into his cheeks. As for me, I stood there staring at him, not able to say a single word. Miss Holmes, I presume, he said at last, in a deep, thrilling voice. I, I, oh, confound it. I have called. I heard some foolish stories and I came here in a rage. I've been a fool. I know now they weren't true. Just excuse me and I'll go away and kick myself. No, I said, finding my voice with a gasp. You mustn't go until you've heard the truth. It's dreadful enough, but not as dreadful as you might otherwise think. Those, those stories, I have a confession to make. I did tell them, but I didn't know there was such a person as Cecil Fenwick in existence. He looked puzzled as well he might. Then he smiled, took my hand, and led me away from the door, to the knob of which I was still holding with all my might, to the sofa. Let's sit down and talk it over comfy, he said. I just confessed the whole shameful business. It was terribly humiliating, but it served me right. I told him how people were always twitting me for never having had a bow, and how I had told them I had, and then I showed him the poorest plaster advertisement. He heard me right through without a word, then he threw back his big curly gray head and laughed. This clears up a great many mysterious hints I've been receiving ever since I came to Avonlea, he said, and finally a Mrs. Gilbert came to my sister this afternoon with a long farrago of nonsense about the love affair I had once had with some Charlotte Holmes here. She declared you had told her about it yourself. I confess I flamed up. I'm a peppery chap, and I thought, I thought, oh, confound it, it might as well out. I thought you were some lank old maid who was amusing herself telling ridiculous stories about me. When you came into the room, I knew that whoever was to blame, you were not. But I was, I said ruefully. It wasn't right of me to tell such a story, and it was very silly, too. But who would ever have supposed that there could be a real Cecil Fenwick who had lived in Blakely? I had never heard of such a coincidence. It's more than a coincidence, said Mr. Fenwick decidedly. It's predestination, that is what it is, and now let's forget it and talk of something else. We talked of something else, or at least Mr. Fenwick did, for I was too ashamed to say much. So long that Nancy got restive and clumped through the hall every five minutes, but Mr. Fenwick never took the hint. When he finally went away, he asked if he might come again. It's time we made up that old quarrel, you know, he said, laughing. And I, an old maid of forty, caught myself blushing like a girl. But I felt like a girl, for it was such a relief to have that explanation all over. I couldn't even feel angry with Adela Gilbert. She was always a mischief maker, and when a woman is born that way, she is more to be pitied than blamed. I wrote a poem in the blank book before I went to sleep. I hadn't written anything for a month, and it was lovely to be at it once more. Mr. Fenwick did come again, the very next evening but one. And he came so often after that that even Nancy got resigned to him. One day I had to tell her something. I shrank from doing it, for I feared it would make her feel badly. Oh, I've been expecting to hear it, she said grimly. 
I felt the minute that man came into the house he brought trouble with him. Well, Miss Charlotte, I wish you happiness. I don't know how the climate of California will agree with me, but I suppose I'll have to put up with it. But Nancy, I said, I can't expect you to go away out there with me. It's too much to ask of you. And where else would I be going? demanded Nancy in genuine astonishment. How, under the canopy, could you keep house without me? I'm not going to trust you to the mercies of a yellow Chinee with a pigtail. Where you go, I go, Miss Charlotte, and there's the end of it. I was very glad, for I hated to think of parting with Nancy even to go with Cecil. As for the blank book, I haven't told my husband about it yet, but I mean to some day. And I've subscribed to the Weekly Advocate again. End of section four. Enrich your mind with sounds of knowledge from soulgoodbooks.com. Unlock access to a vast library of ad free audiobooks for only $10 a month. Listen, learn, and grow at soulgoodbooks.com. Amplify your productivity and creativity with soulgoodsounds.com. For a minimal $10 a month, gain unlimited access to ad-free, soothing sounds designed to boost efficiency. Discover your perfect soundscape at soulgoodsounds.com and unlock your full potential.